I want to take this opportunity to share with you all a word the Lord had laid on my heart about the new year, particularly, and how to approach the new year. And uh, it's titled simply, Forgetting Those Things, Letting Go and Letting God. God is at work all around us, and we're all invited to be a part of what he's already doing. You cannot join God, be in a mission with God, while you're carrying so much baggage from the past, while you're struggling with anger, while you're struggling with bitterness, while you're struggling with defeat. Christ did not die on Calvary so we can have that type of an experience with God. And if this is what we as believers reflect to the world, if this is what we show, this is what God can offer, I'm still wrapped up, tied up, tangled in my past, tangled with my issues, then what reason do people have to come to Christ? Well, there is a reason to come to Christ, because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Whether you believe it or not, thank God that his word is true. But we are his workmanship. God uses his people to accomplish something that only he can do. And if you want to be a part of that, you've got to learn to let go of some things. You can't stay the same and be on a mission with God. My grandmother, when we were little, used to say, you can't live like the devil and expect God to bless you and claim the promises of God. You've got to somewhere along the line have an experience with him. You've got to somewhere along the line make the necessary adjustments in your life to be a part of what God is doing. Corey Ten Boom, I don't know if you're all familiar with her or not. Uh, she was a young Christian lady born in the Netherlands during World War II. And her family, part of their ministry, was smuggling people out of Germany, smuggling Jewish families out of Germany to get them to a safe place so they might live. Well, as it turned out, they got caught and they were all put in a concentration camp where everyone but Corey died. And after that, out of all things, she continued to serve God and worship the Lord. And she established a ministry out of all things of reconciliation. She even ran into some of those guards who beat her, her, her daughter, her, her sister, nearly half to death in the, in the uh, uh, concentration camp. Part of what she did was to encourage children of God worldwide that Jesus is a savior worth having, no matter what your circumstances are. And she wrote a poem about taking a burden to the Lord. And part of it goes something like, I took a burden to the Lord to cast and to leave it there. I knelt and I told him of my plight and I wrestled deep in prayer. But as I rose up to go along, my burden was still there. And this is where many of us are. We're looking for already mentally set to go into 2018 with the same burdens, the same fear, the same anxiety that we had in 2017 and 2016. God revealed himself to the children of Israel for 40 years as they wandered in that wilderness. The clothes didn't even wear out. 
They didn't even miss a meal. But they wandered for 40 years. Why is that? Why do we desire Egypt, which is representative of our pains and our hurts, more than the word of God and the deliverance that God has to offer through Jesus Christ? We become comfortable carrying those burdens. And so my prayer is that you all, we all, us all, would have an experience with God that we never had before in our life. I'd like to share a remedy that the word of God has to offer. And it's found in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, which says, in part, uh, but I should have had my glasses. My brothers, I do not count myself to have taken possession, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. The race you run forward, you don't run backwards. And Paul said, I press, I lean in. When things get tough, we lean in and we stand on the word of God. I took care of a lady when I was in the military at, at the, working at a hospital who was going through a lot of physical problems and social economic problems. She would literally take her Bible and, st and stand on it, you know, to show people I am going to trust God. I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. I'm going to put the world and all my pains behind me, and I'm going to put the cross before me. And I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. Forgetting those things doesn't involve literally forgetting those things. As though if someone brought something up to you, oh, I didn't know that happened. Yes, you did. But it doesn't have any authority in your life. That's what it means in part to forget those things which are behind you. You no longer let your anger over what the brother said or what that sister said overthrow your thought process, cause you to forget the face of your heavenly father and start living like the world and the flesh and the devil. Jesus Christ came that we might have life and through him we might have it how much? More abundantly. I, that scripture has always amazed me. What is more abundantly, you know? More abundantly, just blessings on top of blessing, experience on top of experience with God. And I grow closer and closer and closer to my Heavenly Father. Forgetting, perhaps, is one of the greatest challenges that we can face. Because a lot of times, people that hurt us are close to us. Your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your next-door neighbor, your, your best friend or former best friend. These are the people who hurt us, who say and do things. And it, the other side of that coin works out the same. These are the people that we hurt. So we need to be careful. But we need to be, uh, behold the majesty of God's word and the freedom to worship God without the confines of all those things that happened before. You've got to reach a point where you let it go. David said in Psalm 23, Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That word through encouraged me. When we walked in and found our daughter had died, I needed to listen. I was in the valley. I'm going to let you in on something. But I didn't stay there. 
The enemy spoke to my heart the words that he spoke to Jairus in Mark chapter 5. Why do you trouble the master any further? Your daughter is dead. And I had to rise up and say through the power of the Holy Spirit, greater is he that's within me than he that is within the world. I'm not going to let the circumstances and trials and tribulations in my life hinder me from serving God. Sometimes we come to an all stop when things happen. We forget about God. We forget about worship. We forget about fellowship. We forget about going to church. We forget about everything. And all of a sudden, that valley starts to look good. One of the things that you will find in that valley next to the devil is, of course, God walking with you, but there's also furniture shops there. You can buy a couch, and before you know it, you buy a chair and a table and a TV. And once you get cable and Netflix, that's it. You are in that valley for the long haul. We need to be careful. God did not design us to live in the valley. Even you can be the greatest Christian there ever was. You're going through the valley. Jesus went where? Through the valley. He was tempted of who? The devil out of all people. All right? Look at his disciples betraying him and doing all these other things against him. He left the greatest example. And because he overcame, we can overcome. And you don't have to move in to the valley. You know, when you give your address to somebody, you know, it's always East Valley Street this or Valley Court that. When are you coming out of the valley? When are you going to have an experience with God that only he can provide? And we relive those experiences in our lives over and over and over and over again. And we get comfortable with it. I was a young man in the Navy, signed to a Marine Corps unit uh, out of Camp Lejeune. And we're getting ready to go on a long, what they call, forced march, where you put, seem like everything you own on your back. Okay, there we go. And uh, flashback. <laughs> and uh, y'all just stop me if I go into a daze. But uh, an old gunnery sergeant, I said, I'm not going to make it. He said, oh, you're going to get used to that burden. You know, and he helped me with my pack and threw it on my back. And we stepped off and went on for three, four miles. I said, Lord, help me. But you know what? I got used to it after a while. They say we're going for a five-mile hike. I throw my pack on my back and I keep going. God does not want you to get used to carrying your burden, though. He wants you to let it go and leave it at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what it means in part to forget those things. And press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We're in a race. We are in a race. We're battling against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you want to be effective in ministry, you need to let some things go. I encourage you all, don't go into 2018 with the things that happened in 2010. Have an experience with God that you never had before. And be a witness for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I learned from a pastor called Henry Blackaby, who taught a course of study called Experiencing God. He said, God is at work all around us, like I said before. And we're all invited to be a part of what he's already doing. You cannot be effective in ministry, still toting things from the past. What is ministry? Ministry goes way beyond being a pastor or an elder or bishop or deacon. Ministry is being a mother. Ministry is being a father. 
Ministry is being a son or daughter. Ministry is being a next door neighbor. Ministry is being a co-worker. Everywhere you are, you're to let your light shine. That's what Jesus said. He said, while I was in the, light, in the world, I was the light of the world, but now you are in the world. So you let your light shine. Let me shine through you. We don't shine much carrying all that weight. It kind of reminds me of the hallway in a tenement place. My grandmother used to live on the south side of Chicago. This long hallway as a kid looked like it stretched on forever with this one little two-watt bulb hanging up in the, in the middle of it. You still didn't know where you were. Go down there, she used to tell us to knock on sister so-and-so's door. I couldn't find it. It wasn't enough light. You are the light of God's, of this world. You are that city that sits on the hill that cannot be hid. You are to be the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt stops decay. And there's a lot of people who live next door to you, who live in the same house as you, who work with you, who are decaying right before your very eyes. And God is calling his people, calling his people into formation. All right, let's go out there and make a difference. I cannot take your burden, Lord. <laughs> and he said, until you let them go. We have learned, got to learn how to let our burdens go and leave them at the cross. We get so comfortable carrying our burden, it's almost like when we leave the house and you forget your wallet or your cell phone. If I forget my wallet, there's nothing in it, so it's no big deal. But my cell phone, I'll turn around and go back for that. And I think we all will. You feel like you, you, you know, like, oh my goodness, you know, you, you lost your best friend. We do the same thing with our past. We weave our bad experiences into every conversation we have. When are you going to be redeemed? When are you going to be set free? When are you going to let God have his way in your life? Your past is the thing that's dictating your future. It's almost like having a friend uh, who's locked up in prison. You invite them to a barbecue or invite them to a wedding or invite them to anything. They're not going anywhere. They can only go as far as those bars will allow because they're in prison. And God's people, out of all people, many of us are in prison, bound by a tragic experience that we've had in the past. We should desire to have an experience with God that we never had before. God is a progressive God. God is on the move. He doesn't sit still. He's never doing nothing. What are you doing, God? Nothing. I'm just kind of being God. No, it doesn't work that way. We read in the word of God, in the beginning, God got up. He, he created stuff. He spoke stuff. And he wants to create something new in you. He wants to speak something new in your life, an experience that you never had. When I was with 2nd Marine Division, the motto was, uh, keep moving. And trust me, after 9-11, that's exactly what we did. We kept moving. And we moved just about all over the globe in the war on terror. By his grace and with a determined will, we are not to dwell on an unpleasant past, but we're to look into the hills from which come our help. 
knowing and realizing that our help comes from the Lord. With the past and all this pain and disappointment, it has a way of growing like a weed. Weeds can choke the lives out of the, the good crop. I was a kid, my grandmother, I used to help her uh, in the garden. And uh, Grandma, what are you doing? I'm pulling up the weeds. And I'd get up down there and pull up what I thought was the weeds. I wasn't pulling up just the weeds. I was pulling up the wheat, the crop, the stuff that she expected to cook. So she designated me, you just carry the rake and, and all this stuff and stand by. Let me get down here and handle this. I can't even water flowers good. But that's another story. But if left unchecked, these weeds can rob you of your ministry. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of you all in here today. And you will not, make no mistake about it, you will not join an all-holy God carrying mess from so long ago. Not when he freely offers to take your burden and cast it as far as the east is from the west. The past and all of his pain and disappointments can rob you of an opportunity to be a new wife, to be a new husband, to be a new friend. I was on the south side, of, grew up on the south side of Chicago, and some of you have heard me share this story before about my friend Sean Ryan. You should know him as well as I do by now. This guy was bad times 10 to the 11th power. When we would walk down the street and see Sean coming, we'd cross over because we didn't know what frame of mind he was going to be in that day, if he'd even recognize us. And Lord help you if he didn't. Well, one day, as it turned out, he was terrorizing a little nine-year-old girl outside the little corner store that we go to on the seventh corner, 74th and May Street. That store, I think, is still there. And uh, she told him about Jesus. And he said, this little girl seemed so out of place on the south side of Chicago, it didn't even make sense. It didn't even seem like she belonged there. How can you rise above your social and economic status? Who is this Jesus? And she began to witness and minister to him and share scriptures and sent him on a tailspin mentally. So much so that Sean, like Pilate, couldn't shake the question, what are you going to do with Jesus, who was called the Christ? And as it turned out, Brother Sean gave his life to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, years later, I was visiting Chicago, and I was still in the military. And I went to my mom's church, and they had a guest speaker. It was Brother Sean. I, I kept elbowing my mom. I said, Mom, that's Sean up there. That's the one who used to run us and terrorize us all the time. Don't you remember little Sean? He said, well, he's not terrorizing anymore, baby. He's preaching the word of God. God wants to do something new in you. He wants to take your feet out of whatever miry clay it's in, put it upon a rock, and reestablish your going, and put a new song in your mouth, something other than what happened to you so long ago. One of the most tragic things that can happen to a person who does not give up what has wrecked their lives is you can suffer from identity theft. We forget even who we are in Christ. 
Imagine that. Is that possible? Yeah. It is. Those weeds can grow so long you can't see the wheat anymore. And it's going to take God to separate the two because they look so much alike. There's a remedy. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, So that if anyone is in Christ, that one is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, here's the word, all things are become new. We serve in all things God. We don't serve a God who, are you going through what? Oh, oh, I can't help you. Your pain runs too deep. How much money do you have in your account? Oh, you too broke for me. We don't serve that type of God. We serve a God who no matter what you've done, no matter where you are in your walk, no matter how many times you have failed, if you are in Christ, old things are passed away. I love God and I love his word. You can substitute your own name so that if Marshall is in Christ, old things are passed away and all things have become new. When I faced various trials and tribulations in this last couple of years, I stood on my Bible and proclaimed the freedom and deliverance that God has to offer. You don't have to stand on your Bible figuratively. You can stand on it uh, uh, literally. Does that make sense for any English teachers out there? You can stand on it literally and trust and believe and say to yourself, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The word that Paul used in this verse here, new, uh, is a reflection of two words in the, in the Greek New Testament uh, translated new. Uh, one word is neos, which means that something is going to be made that is basically a replica of something that already exists. What Paul is telling us here, he used the word kainos. He said God is going to do something that has never been existed before in your life. He is going to create, and when you create something, you make something out of nothing, he's going to create something new and something wonderful, something that has, uh, that you have never, an experience that you have never had before. He doesn't merely clean up your old self, he makes an entirely new self. We need to go into 2018 a new person and not carrying all of that weight that did so easily beset us in 2017, 16, 15, 14, and on and on and on and on. That leaves no room for our past hurts. He makes us an entirely new self. We are in Christ and we are partakers of his divine nature. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.9. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know there are children of God who've never experienced God's marvelous light because they're running around with that little 20-watt bulb in a long, dark hallway, carrying past and burdens and things like that. You're saved. You've got the helmet of salvation on. But you, to use a term from the 70s, you're a spiritual streaker. You don't have the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the feet preparation of the gospel of peace. You don't have nothing else. God wants you to have all of it and all of him. 
that word there, you are a chosen generation, when you convert that uh, Greek into the English, it means you are God's favorite. What really matters is what God thinks of you and not what the devil thinks of you or what you think of you with respect to your past. You are God's favors. Paul said, be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. If you want to join God and be on a mission with him, you got to change your mind about some things. You got to change your mind about your identity. In Philippians, uh, no, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, I'm sorry. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Following fear to its logical conclusion leads you to a dead end. It doesn't lead you to the plan and purpose of God in your life. It leads you down that road with a 20-watt bulb hanging in the hallway, which is nowhere. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, power to overcome those hurts. And love, power to even love those people who hurt us. And a sound mind. And a sound mind. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also look to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That word conversation means our citizenship. We need to act like we're citizens of God's kingdom. And you cannot act that way if you're still toting the load from so long ago. Marshall, why don't you do this anymore? Why don't you hang out like this anymore? Because I know who I am right now. Brother Washington, why don't you come over here and hang out and do this or that or the other? No, no, no. I know who I am. Everybody else is doing it. I know who I am. I have a new identity in Christ Jesus. Well, why don't you hang out and do this, that, and the other and, and, and sacrifice and maybe just bend things a little bit? I know who I am. We make decisions in our life that impact our future in a negative way sometimes because we don't know who on earth we are in Christ. We don't know. We are, as my mother used to tell me, boy, you as lost as a ball in a weed field. We are as lost as a ball in a weed field. And that is not what God called you to be. Lost and bound and tangled up by all these hurts and pains and things that happen. Know who you are in Christ. I had a job in particular where uh, every tax season I noticed there was a group meeting in a corner somewhere. I went over there. What are you all doing? You know? Oh, well, if you do this and this and this and this with your taxes, then you can get some more money back. If you do this, this, and this, and this, you can get $1,000 more. I said, no, thank you. I know who I am. I walked away. I wound up owing the government, but I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I was honest because I know who I am. And God helped me provide the money to pay the debt, make a long story short, eventually. <laughs> thank God. That's right. But I know who I am. Do you know who you are in Christ? The next time an opportunity to 
cheat, lie, steal, go places, do things you know you don't have any business doing. Allow the Holy Spirit to remind you who you are. That you are a child of the king. And there's a certain behavior that's expected of you. One of the other things that we need to gather uh, in addition to reestablishing our identity is to develop a vision. But part of that process of getting our identity established or reestablished and having a vision is that we wonder what other people will think about us. Because they're so used to us carrying this load and this burden. Now your language is going to change. Now your thoughts and your actions and your outlook on life is going to change. Lots of anxiety, sorrow, and worry. I was reminded of an old saying which says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Worry empties today of its strength. It impacts you right now. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You can't even get through the day. You don't have enough strength to make it through the day. Part of the reason is you don't know who you are. You don't know. Isn't that a shame to be redeemed by the blood of the lamb and you're suffering from a stolen identity? Hmm. So we need a vision. We need a vision. So we wonder about what people will think about us, what the future is going to hold. How am I going to look tomorrow without this luggage that I'm toting around? People are so used to seeing me talk this way, walk this way. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We know what he can do because he's doing it all around us. God is constantly revealing himself. The discipline of forgetting and reaching forward involves the refusal to be paralyzed and incapacitated by our experiences. I've had some experiences in my life that, in, that just about derailed me. I'm going to tell you right now. And it took the Lord to get me straight. To put my head on the way it should be. Walking in and finding your child gone was not in my plan at all. But greater is he that within me than he that's within the world. I had an experience with God going forward that I had never had before. Songs about deliverance and healing and restoration and scripture quoting about all those things took on a whole new meaning for me because now it was real. It was real. It was real. So the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 13 to 14 paints a picture of us of someone running a race. Life is a race. And you got to run. You got to move because God is on the move. But you can't do that carrying around such heavy weight. What is the high calling of God that we're called to? First, God calls men everywhere to do what? Repent. You cannot claim the promises of God if you don't belong to God. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. You've got to belong to God. God offers all of us the free gifts of salvation. 
the book of Revelation ends with the greatest invitation ever extended to humanity. Whosoever will, let him come and let him drink of the waters of life freely. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you've offended. Don't let that hold you back from spending an eternity with God in, uh, once you leave this world. And before you leave this world, God has work for you to do right here. Lastly, well, not lastly, but Christians are also called to complete dedication to Jesus. You can't serve the world, the flesh, the devil, and Jesus. You can't. It doesn't work that way. You got to let something go. My daughter, when she was a little girl, uh, we used to go. I took her one day to a little Christmas thing they had on base. And uh, someone, one of little Santa's helpers, gave her a little piece of candy. And she loved kids, you know, love candy. And so here comes another little helper that want to give her another little piece of candy. You know how it goes. And I said, baby, you got to open your hand to let her put that other piece of candy in there. And uh, she just was so afraid of losing that one piece, she just kept her little hands closed and went ha extended to the little Santa's helper. You know, yeah, give me the candy, but, you know, open your hand. Open your hand, baby. And let that lady give you another piece of candy. I might need it. It's a process that we learn. Lastly, God calls us to a, a specific area of ministry. God may call, be calling you to pastorship, elder, dish, bishop, deacon, the praise and worship crew, or the hugs committee, or whatever. If you want to be effective where God calls you, you have got to let go of some things. If you want to be effective, you've got to learn to let go. We need to know who we are in Christ. We can live as God intended. The more we agree with God on our destiny, or on our identity in Christ, the more our behavior will reflect our God-given uh, identity. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law, he is blessed." You can translate that word, the old Hebrew, where there is no vision, to where there is no message from the Lord. You can translate people perish to throw off restraints. And that scripture will read, where there is no message from the Lord, you cannot throw off restraints. If you are not in a position to hear from God, you're in trouble at the heart of your relationship with God. So I encourage you to uh, throw off those things that does so easily beset you. The power and ministry of the Holy Ghost will allow you to do that. When we're hurt, we guard our memory. We build walls. We do all these things to keep the bad things out. And sometimes we keep God out as a process. It's normal to want to not remember certain things anymore, not to revisit certain things anymore. But if those certain things are the ones that have control over you and your life, then it has to be dealt with. And this is why Jesus, one reason why he died on Calvary. In order to claim the promise of God, we must belong to the Lord. I want to leave you with these thoughts. In Christ, we are loved, we're forgiven, and we're secure. In Christ, we are adopted, justified, redeemed. We're reconciled, and we're chosen. In Christ, we are victorious. We're filled with joy and peace and have a new experience in life. 
What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. Let me encourage you. If you are dealing with something, whatever it is, you are not so dirty that God doesn't want you. You know how it is when little kids are running in the house with muddy shoes. Get out. Go around. Don't come in the front door. Go through the back door. God says, come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Experience the rest of God as you go into 2018. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That word saved means to be protected, to be delivered, to be made whole. I don't care how broken you are or what broke you or who broke you. You can live again and you can be made whole. Praise the Lord. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I want to extend the opportunity for you to come forward. I can pray with you. I don't know if there's any altar workers here, uh, but stand with me, if you would, please. You can come and give your life to the Lord. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin has left a guilty stain. But his blood has washed and made us whole. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. But take advantage of the free gift that God offers through salvation. And then you can stand on the promises of God to heal you and deliver you and restore you. And speak and breathe life into you. We've got a couple of altar workers here if you want to come forward. And, uh, and have someone pray with you, stand and agree with you, love you. God is willing to meet you right where you are, right where you are. Praise the Lord. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word and allow your word to get into us. Lord, that while we're on the cusp of a new year, that we would not enter this 2018 with the same struggles we had in 2017. You are the God of new beginnings. You are our hope. You are our peace. You are our deliverer. I pray, Lord, those who've never had that experience with you, that they would come forward and have an experience with God that they've never had before. Nothing is too difficult for God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we prepare to go our way, that you would watch between us while we're absent one from another and bring us together in love and in unity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.